0: Welcome to church, everybody. Come on, smile and wave at somebody. So good to see you all today. Love it. Hey, 1015, would you do me a favor and welcome everybody watching online at this service? Uh, Hey, hey, hey. good to see everybody. Thank you, worship team, for uh, such a powerful opening. And I'm really excited to bring this message today. Before we get into it, though, I want to take a moment and tell you about what's coming up. In this next season at Rockbrook, next month we're going to begin a a season of alignment, where we align uh, many areas of our church. We love to do this in the fall. There's something powerful about the fall, the harvest season. Uh, It's powerful uh, in our world, like physically, but it's also powerful uh, spiritually and in our lives. And we want to take advantage of that. So this fall we're going to align our weekend services, Rockbrook for Kids weekend services, uh, along with teen and, kids, or teen and adult small groups, uh, to focus around one theme. We call it a spiritual growth campaign. And for those of you uh, who've been around for a while, you're familiar with that term, a spiritual growth campaign. Uh, we've done this several times, many times. Uh, some of the highlights would be 40 Days of Purpose, Reframing Your Worldview, 40 Days of Community, uh, life's Healing Choices, Transformed, 40 Days in the Word, Who is Jesus, Building Your Life on Values That Last, and, um, and many more. Uh, you may have heard the, the theme of 40 in there, because many of them uh, center around a 40-day. Uh, it's a biblical theme, 40. Uh, the Bible is clear that it considers 40 a, significant, a spiritually significant time period, So Noah's life was transformed by 40 days of rain. Moses was transformed by 40 days on Mount Sinai. The spies were transformed by 40 days in the Promised Land. David was transformed by Goliath's 40-day challenge. Elijah was transformed when God gave him 40 days of strength from a single meal. The entire city of Nineveh was transformed when God gave the people 40 days to change. Jesus was empowered by 40 days in the wilderness and the disciples were transformed by 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection. And so we're going to do a 40-day spiritual growth campaign uh, this fall. It's going to start in about a, a month from now. And this year, the question of the spiritual growth campaign is this. In the midst of all the uncertainty, how do I break through? What the obstacles in my life With the things that won't seem to get out of the way or cooperate, how do I break through? And life doesn't always go as planned. At some point, you will face impossible obstacles and barriers, situations that make you think there's no way it's going to work out, but God wants to help you handle the uncertainty when it comes your way. Here's what we found out about breakthrough, though. Breakthrough does not happen in your life spontaneously breakthrough never just happens it doesn't it happens breakthroughs happen when you seek them and the way you seek them is through prayer so we are going to do 40 days of prayer uh, this fall and uh, it'll be very similar uh, to other campaigns where you'll come for weekend services and uh, in the weekend services we'll talk about like a biblical encounter someone had uh with god and um just i'm getting so amped about these weekend sermons i'm looking forward to those Uh, but then we'll meet in small groups to talk about some more insights of how do you connect to god in a crisis what does prayer look like right now what does relationship with god look like Um, and patterns for that that'll be very practical you'll get a personal study guide uh that is it'll have 40 days of brief devotionals in there so you can connect with god every day for 40 days, and uh, I love, one of the things that's coming together is you could participate in the spiritual growth campaign wholeheartedly and never come in contact with other people. So if, that, if that's how you wanted, that's not normally how we'd recommend it, but it's opposite day, everybody. 2020 is opposite day. And uh, so you could watch weekend services online, just as uh, many are doing right now. Uh, you get a personal study guide uh, to work through. And you can work through that. You can join an online small group. Uh, we will have some online small group. I'm hoping uh, some of you will uh, even step forward in the coming weeks to say, I could do that, like watch the video, and then connect with a couple of other people online. To just, The 40 days, a 40-day journey is much more powerful and meaningful if you do it well, connecting with a few other people. Don't do it by yourself. So hopefully uh, we'll have uh, a few, in many of our small groups, you've figured out how to do this even over the summer. We had some meeting 100% online, some were doing a mix where they, uh, someone meet in person and video some people in or uh, figuring out creative ways uh, to meet. Let me just give you a few key dates of the spiritual growth campaign. The actual 40 days, day one, you might want to put this down on your outline or jot this down. Day one will be Monday, September 21st, Day 40 will be Friday, October 30th. Now, the small group semester has a little bit of time on either side, uh, so there's kind of a ramp up and then a celebration. And so September 13th, now that, it's just the week of that, because small groups, you'll meet all different days of the week, different times of day, but the week of the 13th, it will run to November 14th. And I'd love for you to take, to take part right now, Right now, all we're looking for, because we've got a couple weeks left of rethinking your life, and we'll have a couple weeks of ramping up into this, this fall uh, intensity in this season, uh, but all we're looking for right now is for small group leaders to tell us what, to what you're doing. So if you are an existing small group leader, uh, we'll send an email today that you can respond to with questions or concerns. Tell us what you're doing for the fall, and register your group. Or if, you're, if you want to lead some people through a group, like this is a great time to try that. You say, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss the power of this 40-day thing. And you want to lead your family through it. You want to grab a couple of people who aren't connected to a small group in church. Or grab uh, coworkers or a couple neighbors or something like that and go through this uh, journey with them. Uh, we put a card in your worship guide and on the app to just let us know you're curious. So this is not a card of commitment in any way. This is, I'm curious, I'm interested, I've got some questions, I've got some concerns. We'd love to get those answered. We'd love to brainstorm with you. Uh, We'd love to talk about uh, what this might look like in your life. And so just let us know you're curious about um, doing this with a couple of other people, and uh, we'll help you. Folks, 2020 uh, is going to have 366 days in it. Uh, There are 138 days left in 2020, God willing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm asking for 40. As your pastor, I'm asking for 40 of the 138 days left. If you're going through a trial of any kind in your life, I want you to get what God has for you in that. I want you to move closer to God. I want you to, to learn what God has for you in this. And it's not going to happen by accident. It's gonna hap- Breakthroughs happen when you seek them. And so I'm asking for 40 days to make 2020 worth it, okay, and to do this. So uh, that's, you'll be hearing more from us um, throughout the coming weeks on this. But game on. Everybody say yes. Okay, last week, Pastor Kelly preached on the problem of sin, and he really gave us the the theological framework for the issue of sin in our lives. And today we're gonna look at how to fight against it, how to fight temptation. And we're gonna discover that our God is completely faithful no matter where, where you're trapped. Could be something big in your life that you've never even told anybody about, or it could be something everybody knows about in your life, could be something small, and uh, persistent that's just annoying you either way God gives us a way out and there are those of us I would venture to say everybody has at one level or another something in their life that is consistently there that you don't want there that's in your life and you don't want it's persistent and you don't want it there and I don't know what this would be for you could be a substance problem a food problem A lying problem sexual addiction of some kind spending gambling could be something to do with your words just criticism or what there's just no control over what's coming out of your mouth I don't know what it would be for you um, but I imagine you know what it is because every one of us has something there that we wish were not there and I want to let God's Word speak directly to this anytime you talk about temptation there's two classic verses in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13, says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God, I love this, God is faithful. He is. How is he faithful? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide, say these three words with me, A way out so you can endure it. What is temptation? A simple definition that we'll work with today. If you're taking notes, jot this in. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. So temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. You're going to like this. You're going to feel good. It's going to make your life more meaningful. You need this. It's important. I can't live without it at the cost of what God calls me to do. It's a moment of satisfaction, a thrill, a buzz, a high, followed by the shame, regret, consequences, and pain. It's anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God and before we talk about how to break this cycle or see it for what it is I just want to lay some groundwork for four truths about temptation that we need to understand and internalize uh, Before we move forward and the first truth is this it is not a sin to be tempted that, and we need to get this Internalize it because this is actually one of the tactics of the enemy Our spiritual enemy loves to use what is called false guilt to make us feel guilty when we should not feel guilty. Because there are many times when you are tempted and you didn't go through with it. You don't sin. And to be tempted is not the same as to sin. What our enemy loves to do is to make us feel guilty. And then when we feel guilty, what do we often do? We often medicate our guilt with sin so it's it's this it's I already feel bad so I might as well do it but don't let false guilt bring something on you that should not be there and this often happens it's, well I already feel bad why not just go ahead and go through with it or I, I, fa- I failed at this before might as well just go and do it again But we've got to start with this. It's not a sin to be tempted. Never associate the amount of temptation with your spirituality. Just because you're being tempted doesn't mean you're that far from God. So your your kid is going to be tempted. Your spouse is going to be tempted. Give your family, give the people around you a break. Jesus was tempted Jesus was tempted, Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Watch this, though. Yet he did not sin. Temptation in and of itself is not bad. And if you're being tempted a lot, you could take it as a compliment. Because if you're not button heads with the devil every once in a while, as the country preacher would say, you must be walking hand in hand. Like, you just <laughs> take it as a compliment that he's threatened by you, all right? Jesus was tempted just as we are. He did not sin. Here's second truth if you're taking notes. We need to understand that you are never above temptation. You are never above temptation. I don't care who you are. I'm not. You're not. And we need to be careful anytime we think, well, that's not me. I would never do that. I'm so glad so-and-so is here and they better be taking notes or so-and-so better be watching online right now. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. The, the ones who think I would never do that, I can never do that. They're the ones who fall the fastest and the hardest. And so we've got to guard against self-confidence because our heart, Scripture says, is, is deceitful above all things. And we have no idea what we're capable of. Any single one of us is capable of anything given the right environment and the right circumstances. We're not above temptation. Number three. Number three, we need uh, to understand God is just a, lay laying the found work, uh, the found work, the foundation to do the work here in a moment. God will never tempt you. He won't. Now, God will test you, he will not tempt you. There's a big difference, this is clear in scripture. There is a difference between a trial and a temptation. So why do you test someone with a trial? You're a junior in high school and you get your final test. Why do we test you? We test you to promote you. We test you to move you forward. Trials are used by God in our lives to move us closer to God. Temptations are used by the enemy to move us away from God. God will test you with a trial. He'll never tempt you. God's tests move you closer to him. God's tests move you forward in your life. Satan tempts you to move you backward. There's a big difference. And in James 1 uh, verse 13 He just states all this very clearly. Remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, well, if God didn't want this in my life, he wouldn't have put this in front of me. God made me this way. God wants me to, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation, and just talks about the process here, which we'll dive into in a little bit. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth pretty dramatic here to death. To death. And again, we'll talk about this progression in a moment. Every time you're tempted to do whatever is disobedient to God, it's also an invitation to depend on Christ. Because we don't have the ability to say no to temptation in and of ourselves. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Because when you're tempted, God is faithful. Let's go to the fourth truth about temptation, and that is there is always a way out. No matter what you're facing, what sin has you hostage, big or small, what has its grips on you, there is always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, again, verse 13. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Now, if you fall, God is quick to pick you back up again and give you a way out again. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. And when we're vulnerable, when we're weak, We're vulnerable to give in. The good news is that also when we're weak, Christ's strength is made perfect in us. That's why why every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Christ is more powerful than the wrong desire within you. So how do we fight our way out? And In order for us to understand this, I want us to understand the process of temptation. That there are steps that we go through... Every single time before we do the wrong thing. And these steps, uh, they can take, they're transferable to time. So they could take years. They could take months, weeks, days. They could happen in a matter of moments, like dominoes falling right before a thing. But this is the process that it goes through. If you're taking notes, I hope you are, write this down. It begins with a thought. It begins with a thought. It begins in the mind. And and the best illustration is a lure or a hook. The best definition of a temptation is a lure in a fishing pond. He casts it out there. He puts it in front of your face. He says, you want this. You're distracted by it. You want this. You need this. It's good. It looks good. But it has a hook in it. And the devil will make sure that you have the opportunity to do something you know you really shouldn't do by making it look good and trying to draw you away. What happens, it, what happens next is it moves from thought. If you don't kill it there, it becomes a fantasy. And this is where we think, uh, what, what would it be like if I bit into it? If I drank it, I ate it, I slept with them, I bought it, I watched it, whatever. You start imagining how it would be. You're envisioning, This is where it gets lustful or you're envisioning what this would be like. And a great way here, this is one of the top lessons I've learned in my small group and my guys' small group: is to change the fantasy. Like, get some good fantasies in your life. Envision some things in your envision. Have a fantasy about finishing well. Have a fantasy about just develop this picture in your mind. Focus on it. Of of sitting with your spouse after a a long marriage and, and having the respect of your children. Like if your fantasy is the respect of your coworkers, if your fantasy is getting fit in some way, if you're fantasizing about great things, about God honoring things, the fantasy of sin becomes much less appealing in your life. But if we continue the fantasy of this temptation, of this sin, it leads to this justification that we justify it we rationalize it where we say um, you know what my life would be better what's true of you is not true of me my life would be better if this it's really not that bad and it isn't it interesting how we can rationalize our sin but we look at someone else's sin and say well I would never do that I want to learn to hate my sins More than I hate the sins of others who sin differently than I do. And here, you you haven't sinned yet. This is, James talks about being enticed and dragged away. And we start taking steps towards it. We're moving toward it because we think the grass is greener. And it's not. In fact, most of the scriptures in the Bible that talk uh, to us about how to deal with temptation. You know the word it uses? flee, not the bug, I mean flee, run, get out, go, flee, and some say, no, I'm courageous, I'm going to stand up to it, I'm going to beat it, no, real courage is saying, I see the hook that's in that bait, and I'm going to get out of here regardless of what all the other fish think, that's real courage. To say, I'm out. And some of us have taken steps towards sin and are really close and we're taking steps towards something we really need to break off and stop it today and get out and run and flee and end it, turn from it. The enemy's trying to destroy our life. If we don't flee, uh, it moves to this and that is the sinful action. And this is where it's actually a sin, where you take the bite. And I know this point is discouraging Proverbs says, though, that a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Like, God will give you a second chance. If you you came to church today in a sinful action and you know it, God does not say to you, get out of here until you get it all together. That's not his approach. In fact, in Hebrews 4, it says he, he empathizes with our weakness. He's a high priest who looks at you and says, yeah, I remember that. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. It's like he says to God, I remember that that's a tough one. That's difficult. We need to help them with that. I'm just trying to get you to see how your God sees you today with an undying love that he says, approach the throne of grace with confidence that you'll find mercy in your time of need. So don't don't get all discouraged and, and let it go and let it grow. Because James says that if the sinful actions, if you just let them grow, if you don't turn, that it leads to death. It leads to death. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And many times there is a physical death from the choices we make. At the very least, there's relational death, there's emotional, spiritual, financial death. And God says, don't go there. The enemy tries to make it look good, but sin will never make your life better. Sin never makes life better. So but where does it start? It's, it all starts with a thought. It begins with a thought. And we need to recognize that what happens in these first moments of temptation are very crucial. And, and we've got to decide ahead of time, knowing that we're going to be tempted... We've got to set it, decide ahead of time how to resist temptation so we don't fall for something uh, that hurts us, that hurts the heart of God. So how do we fight our way out of this? Well, James chapter 4, verse 7, it's one verse, and it shows us to do two things. Two things. I love this. Sometimes reading the Bible, and it presents like this big problem, And then it just gives you like these one or two verses, two steps, simple solution, just do this. And it's like, well, no, that's no. this is a big problem. I need more steps. I need more point. I need more things. And it's like, no, just like if you would really just do, if you would really do this, you would find victory. If you would really, so the first thing, if you're taking notes, how are we going to fight our way out? And the first thing he says is submit to God. Submit to God. Now, you would think resist the devil would be the first thing here on this list. That you've got to fight against it. And once you fight against it, then you can go to God. Then you can come back to God. James says, no, the first thing you need to do before you fight against temptation is you submit to God. Here's the verse. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why do you submit to God first? Because you don't have it in you to do this one first. Your fleshly sinful nature is too weak, and we are not designed to live the victorious life alone, and it is victorious. I don't think there's anything more fun in life than being victorious over a temptation. It is life to the full to beat it, to be victorious over it. It is so fun but we don't have the strength to do it on our own we're not meant to live the victorious life alone we need the help of God we need the help of Christ this is why every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ so we submit to God how do you submit to God now for some this is gonna mean uh, that you've got to acknowledge like you haven't even acknowledged that what you're doing is sinful and you haven't even submitted to that way, that it's the opposite of love, it's the opposite of God's word. Again, Pastor Kelly laid the, the, gave, gave us the framework for these things uh, last week. Some know that it's wrong, but are just too prideful to get help. And to submit to God there would mean, okay, I can't do this alone. I've got to get some help. I've got to work some steps. I've got to bring this out of the dark into the light others of you it's going to be a deeper level of submission and I don't know what that means for you I'll tell you this this is one of the things that it means for me submission to God quite honestly is a daily decision because the lures are daily so I come before God and I pull out my pray first booklet and one of those those outlines for prayer and it gets to the point in one of them where it's just, God, I submit my whole being to you. Sometimes I do this in, in the car, sometimes at home, I'm driving it in, but I, just, I submit my mind to you, God. Give me the mind of Christ today. Help me to think on things that are excellent and pure and admirable. Give me the power to think on things that are consistent with your word, your truth. God, I give you my ears today. I don't want to let in anything uh, that's going to be a lie, that's going to damage my soul. Help me to separate the lies from the truth. I give you my eyes that I would look on things that are good and pure. I give you my mouth that I would say things that are pleasing to you, helpful in building others up. I give you my heart, God. My heart is deceitful. Give me a pure heart, God. Help me with my motives, God, I submit my hands to you. May they be used to build your kingdom. I give you my feet. Help me to flee when I need to flee, to walk in your ways, to go where you want me to go. And it's just a daily submission to God. And I'll be real honest with you. When I have submitted to God like that, it's easier to resist temptation. When I am not submitted to God, I am vulnerable. And temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. And I can rely on that false promise of satisfaction. Or I can rely on true joy and true satisfaction obeying God. And when I'm submitted to God, it's easier to resist the lures. When I'm not submitted, it's, it's incredibly harder to resist temptation. So what do we do? We submit to God. Number two, then we resist the devil. We submit ourselves to God and resist the devil. How many of you have heard someone say, well, I just couldn't resist, I couldn't resist. The devil made me do it. The devil doesn't make you do it. With Christ, you can resist. And that, this, is what, this is what God's word says. Let's read this verse, this time out loud together. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In a very real sense, this is what you do when you're attacked by the evil one. You've already submitted to God. Your confidence is not in yourself, it's in Christ in you. And with every bit of faith you have, when the enemy puts that lure there, you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Quoting a scripture is one of the best ways to resist the enemy and you recognize that Christ within you is greater than the wrong desire in you. Whenever, whenever temptation comes, you should say, "I was expecting you." It's not a surprise when temptation when your kid is tempted. You respond, "I was expecting this. It's not a surprise, and I've already submitted to God, and God is with me today." And I know that his strength is with me. One of the best ways to resist temptation is when you know it's coming, is to eliminate it before it comes. Resist temptation. One of the best ways is to eliminate it wherever you can. Eliminate it whenever you can. For example, this is what Solomon was saying to his son, giving him advice in Proverbs chapter 4 verses uh, 14 and 15 and just as a father uh, the proverbs have come alive to me in a different way especially when it says this is a proverb to from a father to a son and uh it's just that some of them just even get funny as i just picture you know hands folded across the table father telling this to his son and 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 i'll show you what how i see that today but uh, let's look at this passage proverbs 4 14 Father to his son, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Okay, clearly stated, should have ended there. But he goes on, son, I don't think you're paying attention. I don't think you're getting it. So let me, avoid it, okay? Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Like, son, I don't think you're paying attention. Get out of Dodge. Go. Do not pull out your phone and start filming it. Turn around and flee. Get out of there. Do not travel on it. Avoid it. And one of the best ways to resist a temptation is to avoid it and eliminate it wherever you can. For some people this week, this is your, for you, this is your moment maybe. This is a game changer. Of why would I resist a temptation in the future that I could eliminate today? Like, do future self a favor and eliminate it today. To make a decision that, man, I'm not going to keep that in the house. I'm not going to go there with those people. I'm not going to be out that late in that situation Again, I'm going to unsubscribe from this. I'm going to block this. Do whatever you can to eliminate something today. Why would I resist something in the future that I could eliminate today? And you decide ahead of time to make that decision. Don't be surprised that it's going to come. Take care of it however you can today. Again, another way to resist and flee is to begin quoting scripture which is actually a really effective tool because the moment it becomes a thought, you're already prepared. You're already prepared, be prepared. You say, my mind is already submitted to Christ today and I've already agreed not to do this thing. And the moment it becomes a thought, I immediately go to Jesus because I know, you know, Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help Those who are being tempted. Jesus is not sitting at the right hand of God the Father saying he tripped up again. Jesus is sitting there saying, I'm here to help you get out. Christ in me is stronger than the desires in me. And instead of feeling shame and condemnation, we should feel hope. Why? Because God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God is faithful. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every person who is going through a trial. Uh, They're exhausted. It seems relentless. God, give them the courage to pray. uh, To pray, God, what are you teaching me? And, And let them graduate and move on to their full potential. God, I lift up the 40 days uh, this fall to you, that it would be a powerful time for many of the lives in our church to make the most of the trials, the problems, the things of earth that we are facing. For the person who's going through temptation, uh, thank you that it's not too much for them to handle. It's not too much for us to handle. Give them courage today to take the right steps to get out of it. And Lord, I pray for every person who needs to make a faith decision to give you their whole heart. Maybe they've never even just surrendered to you. Maybe they've surrendered to you, but they've held something in their life back. And if that's you, would you just pray this in your heart and mind to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming and doing what I could not do. Living a perfect life without sin. Dying my death in my place. Rising from the dead. Saving me. Giving me a way out. Today I commit my life to you. I put my trust in you the best I know how. God, come live inside me. Be my Lord. I surrender all that I am to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.